1: So, pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. Hello, and welcome to Culture Check the Dark Night, a tailgate society podcast. Please check the tailgatesociety.com and subscribe to Tailgate Society Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. My name is Arnold Woods, and I'm joined, as always, by Emily Cornell. Emily, what's going on?
0: Hello. You know, just kicking it. It's 5,000 degrees in Texas, as I've said, like, a couple weeks. Um, How's it going for you?
1: Pretty well. It's hot up here, too. um, But it's not a, a deathly heat. I'm enjoying it. I like the hot more than I like the cold cuz it gets extremely Same. cold up here. I mean, we've talked about that numerous times on the podcast, but um it's good I had some work done in my backyard. Um uh my best friend has a um lawn and uh garden service, like a landscaping oh, cool. service, so he came over and you know we we love supporting black businesses on this podcast, so he, yes. came, he came through on the uh, on Thursday and just revitalized the Black, uh, back, back play area, um, in our backyard for, um, for our kids. So it's oh. looking good. It's looking great. And, uh, that was a big part of our week. And I also just hadn't seen him in like three months. So I was very excited to see him. Um, it's... have you been able to like see anyone or see, I know that you, you took a, a trip recently to see some friends. Like, was that kind of, that kind of lift your spirits in this time of lockdown or?
0: Yeah. It, it was good to see friends and like, we like basically did what we've been doing. So like I stayed at their house, we just stayed at their house and it was good. Um, because like my roommate and I, we also, we then this last weekend, we did like a social distance, hang out with some friends where we're both like, Oh yeah, we only see each other. <laughs> um so yeah it definitely it's a good thing to see people after this lockdown um was this the first time you saw like any friends it
1: was yeah this is the first like in person at least like obviously we've been like um video chatting and facetiming and i've done like two big like group zooms with like nine of my friends at once i've done that i did that once on my birthday which was april um the beginning of april and then Again, like a few a few weeks ago. I say everything is a few weeks ago. I don't know. I've lost all concept <laughs> of time. But um, so we've done that. But this is the first time I'd seen a friend physically since we went into lockdown. So that was nice. Okay. I've only seen in person. I've seen like my family, like my parents and then my wife's parents and uh, my wife's grandparents. And that's basically it. I've seen one of my aunts a couple of times. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's this is the first like friend that I'd seen in a long time. So that was pretty cool.
0: It's like, it's awesome seeing friends, but wow. Is it weird to think about that? Like months without seeing anyone outside of your family.
1: It is. It's just a crazy time that we're living in. Facts. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's weird how, you know, kind of segueing, segueing into the movie. It's weird how the time that we're living in, like kind of informs how I'm viewing these movies.
0: Yeah, Got into
1: that a little bit last week. With you know the Dark night and policing, and uh, I think that there some of those themes will carry over into this one. But oh yeah, um, just looking at you know crime and how crime affects the city and how it's perceived to affect the city, I, I think about that a lot in terms of of what we're what we're witnessing daily out here. So um, we're gonna get into it. We're gonna get into the Dark night Rises, the last. Um, movie in the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy or Batman trilogy, however you want to say it. Um, you are able to watch this movie today, right?
0: Yes. watched it today and you watched it during the week. I did. Um, so it's very fresh. It was definitely, I don't know if for you, it was like, I mean, you just said how it, the current times kind of inform how you're watching it, but watching it, like rewatching it, are you kind of like, wow, I never noticed this thing. Or like, I didn't think about this thing until rewatching it.
1: A couple of things. Yeah. There's a couple of things that I'll get into when we start our discussion, but yeah, watching it again, there's little like character beats that I just didn't remember. I think. And when we, I don't know about you, but when I go back and rewatch these movies, it's just a different, I'm watching them differently than I did the first time. The first time I'm there to like experience it in the theater. And, you know, I want to talk about it with my friends afterwards and it's a big movie and it's, you know, um, I, I, I love going to movies. I love sitting in the movie theater and eating popcorn and, and watching a movie. I love doing it by myself. I love doing it with friends. Like it, it doesn't matter to me either way, but now, um, even if we weren't in a pandemic, I would still be watching these movies now for the purposes of this podcast in a different light. Like now I'm trying to yeah. get, um, I'm trying to think about themes more and I'm trying to think about, um, how characters are interacting with each other and like why they're making certain writing choices. And then just overall, like how the movie's making me feel, um, as I'm watching it. So what about you? Was there a lot of, um, was there anything that was like that you had just flat forgotten or, yeah,
0: I've I forget so many things and that like so I was telling a friend this afternoon we were dropping something off at a different friend's house but I was like yeah I watched The Dark Knight Rises today and I think I have forgotten this whole movie. Um because it was like why like the whole time I was really stressed. I was like, Oh my god, I know how this ends, but man, this movie's so stressful. Um and I felt the same way watching The Dark. And I, I was like, man, this is such a stressful, like so many stressful situations. Um, and that's pretty much me during any movie. Um, sorry for anyone who watches a movie with me in the theater. <laughs> like, I'm like clenched the entire time. Like, what's going to happen? I hope these people are okay. It's just, oh my goodness. But afterwards, I'm like, wow, what a wonderful movie. Um, I don't know how I forgot that like Catwoman is in this movie.
1: It's like in the movie, you forgot. <laughs> she's like, "Damn, what is Selena Kyle? It's Catwoman. That's crazy. Yeah,
0: like in the scene at Wayne Manor when she's there and like she's a she's like serving food at this party. I'm like, "All right, Catwoman's like part of this movie and as the movie goes on, I'm like, "Oh, she's like significant. I can't believe right. I forgot about this." Um
1: yeah. I have this at the end of the outline, but I think this is a, a great place to ask this question because this was really weird to me. So how did, how did you watch the movie? Did you like stream it? Do you have it on DVD or did you like, what, did you buy it from something? Like, how did you watch it?
0: So we have it on DVD, but I did not watch it on DVD. Um, because I don't have a like DVD player thing in my computer. <clears throat> and so I just streamed it. Um, but it was, it had like commercial breaks, which okay. was very odd to like, Yeah, I've forgotten what commercials are during a movie because Netflix spoils us. Right. Um, but yeah, it was streamed on my computer and I'm like, man, I wish I like had about halfway through. I was like, man, I should have put this on the TV instead. Um, do, do you own it?
1: I don't. So I, I rented it like through Google play. Yeah. So, I rented it like you can rent it for forty eight hours for three ninety nine oh, nice. so i did so I did that but when i when I watched this version of it, I was like, "There's a couple scenes where I was like, "Is this an added scene and it one hundred percent was like i haven't like looked it up at all, but oh. I know that like the version that I watched there was like two or three added scenes, and i haven 't seen this movie in years. uh the movie came out in two thousand twelve and I you know I saw at least once in a movie theater, probably twice, at least twice in a movie theater. I remember the first time I saw it. Um, I, I don't remember seeing it multiple times, but it's it's one of those movies where more than likely I saw it more than once in a movie theater. But the version that I saw, like there's out there's a specific scene I know off the bat was not in the theatrical release version because the version, I, and I'm, I'm curious to see if it was in, in the version you watched. So at the end of the movie, um, spoiler alert, I guess now, well, I'll, I'll throw the spoiler alert and I'm, I'm going to ask this question. And then Emily, uh, if you don't mind, you can do the, the overview yeah. of the movie, but this is, this is just so weird to me. I had to ask this. So at the end of the movie, um, again, sorry, spoiler alert, if you don't want to know <laughs> what's going on, turn the podcast off, watch it and then come back and listen. Um, so at the end of the movie, you know, the, the movie ends with, with Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne, Batman, like he attaches the nuke to his bat pod or whatever, his his flying bat yeah. machine. And he, he says explicitly to Catwoman, like there's no autopilot, right? Like, she's like, you're going to just take it and eject before it blows up, blows up. And he's like, there's no autopilot. And that's like a thing in the movie earlier. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. So, but he, he takes the, in the, in the in the, in the theatrical version that I saw, like he does that. And we're meant to believe like potentially, You know, he flies it over the bay and it explodes. And for the last, like, five minutes, there's a part like, the last last five minutes where you're you're made to think that maybe he's potentially died. Like, they have a a funeral for him at Wayne Manor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the movie ends with Alfred in Florence, Italy, or wherever he's at, like, hearkening back to the middle part of the movie where he says he has this fantasy about going to a cafe in Europe and looking up and seeing Bruce and they don't say anything to each other, but they acknowledge each other. And like, he knows that Bruce has found happiness and love or whatever. So mm-hmm. that happens. That's the last scene. Okay. So there's a scene in the version that I, that I watched where Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox is like talking to, two like Wayne tech employees about the bat, po- about the bat pod. Was yeah. that in? the Okay. Yeah. 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 But that's not, that was that scene, what like the scene, like he, they, those two employees explained to him that like the autopilot had gotten fixed, right? Yeah. Was that in the original? Ver- I swear that scene was not in the original version. Or maybe so, I just plain forgot.
0: I think it m- might be. I don't, mostly because I am assuming because I streamed it, like, and it was, it probably took scenes out of it. Um, I feel like that was part of it because you have to explain like how he is in the cafe
1: right because like to me i just thought that i guess looking back at it i thought that that was just like a, something they never explained like he somehow ejected and it was all oh. good and i just thought that that was like a loose end that the movie never tied up but then i saw that scene and it's like okay that explains how he was able to eject but i'm just like i have zero memory of that scene existing if you're listening to this podcast on Monday or whenever you're listening, like please tweet at us, tweet yeah. at me or tweet like, cause I do not remember that scene in the movie ever. And there's like another scene that I can't think of off the top of my head. I should have wrote that down and made a note of it, but there's like one other, one or two other scenes that I was like earlier from earlier in the movie. I was like, I do not remember that scene at all, but okay. Maybe I'm tripping. I don't know.
0: If there are, if you like remember them as we talk about the movie, um, Shout it out because I'll probably be like, I mean, maybe it was part of the, I'm not the person to be like, Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I offered that. Um, yeah. because I remember, uh, well, I'll talk about what I remember, but you
1: didn't oh, remember no. the cat woman was in the movie. So I, I know. don't want to trust you about, <laughs> I know. Like, Oh yeah, I, I was in there. Like, come on. Yeah.
0: There, like, there are scenes. I remember like Bane, I'm, I'm going to give the overview and then we can talk yes. about things that are like memorable slash. This whole movie. Okay. Please, please. So, go ahead. <laughs> the Dark Knight Prizes is the final installment of Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Um, so basically we start off, Batman has vanished and has not been seen in eight years since the murder um, of Harvey Dent. As we, the viewers, know, unless you only have watched this movie, um, in which case you also know that Harvey Dent was not murdered, but everyone thinks that Batman murdered Harvey Dent. Whatever. So... Batman's disappeared, Bruce Wayne's disappeared on the anniversary of Br- of Dent's death. Um there's an event being held at Wayne Manor and like Bruce he is not there because he has not been seen in many years. Everyone thinks that he's like, you know, hold up and like growing super long nails and gross. Um Commissioner Gordon was speaking at this and he has kept the details of Dent's death a secret. Um but he wrote a speech about it to share. And then he opts out because, like, it's poor form to be like, this guy threatened my child. I really don't care for him. So instead, he's like, Harvey Dent has done a lot. And, like, Harvey Dent did do a lot for crime in Gotham. Um, so, like, at this event, Selena Kyle, Catwoman, sneaks into Bruce Wayne's living quarters to steal his fingerprints. Um, for John Daggett, who is Wayne's corporate rival. And he's just like all around, not a good guy. He's kind of a douche. Um, and Daggett's secretly like collaborating with Bane, who, if you've seen this movie, you know, he's like the big villain, um, who is a former member of the League of Shadows. And he's just all around like really evil. Um, and Daggett wants to absorb Wayne Enterprises. Part of his plan to like hurt Wayne Enterprises as a company um, involves something with their stocks that I don't understand because I don't understand how the stock market works. Whatever. So money and Wayne ends like Bruce Wayne ends up poor, and the board is like, "Dude, no, you have to leave." So Bruce and Lucius Fox work together. They get Miranda Tate, who is a board member, to become the CEO, and John Daggett did not plan for that, and it ruins his plans, and he gets very. Frustrated, and shares this frustration with Bane. And shortly after that, their relationship is severed very um, literally. Um, so Bane just wants to destroy Gotham to fulfill Ra's al Ghul's mission in his plan. He tricks Batman to coming down to the sewers where he lives and he breaks Bruce Wayne's back and then sends him to basically the pit of despair. And it's hell. Um, and so then with Batman out of the way, Bane gets this bomb that was supposed to be used as like a clean energy thing that was designed with um, Wayne Enterprises and Randa Tate. And then he traps the citizens of Gotham, like in Gotham, he traps the police underneath of Gotham and the basically anarchy ensues. Um, Gordon and detective Blake, they're all, they go around and they try to like help Gotham and try to like, make, make the best of the situation and hope that the bomb doesn't go off. Um, and the bomb like can be detonated any time. Bane was like, I'm putting the control of this into the hands of the people. So he makes it seem like he's given this detonator to just a random citizen in hopes that like people will, you know, basically destroy themselves. Um, and then he, Bruce is in this pit And he can watch all of this unfolding. So he, Bane is like working to break not only Bruce's body, but like his like soul or his spirit. He's like trying to break Bruce's spirit. So he's like, oh, you get to watch everything unfold and be like a hot mess. And um, that ends up motivating Bruce. He gets out of this pit. He returns to Gotham and um, stops Bane's plan. And he, Drops collaboration with Catwoman, Detective Blake, and Commissioner Gordon, which like says a lot for Batman, who likes to work alone. For him to work with all these people, and scene.
1: What a plotty movie!
0: It's, there's so much happening in this
1: movie. There that, is.
0: Like, I think that's why I've forgotten. Like, like that's why I forgot that. Like, Catwoman was like a big part because I think of Bane and I think of like the opening scene of Bane. And then when he is at the football field, when he breaks Bruce's back, like all of the big things I remember from this movie, like the actual watching of the movie, the first time was like bane related stuff.
1: That's true. Yeah. Bane definitely dominates this movie. And he dominated the conversation. Yeah. Um, in a different way than Heath Ledger did from the last movie. I think Heath Ledger's, you know, his death certainly dominated the conversation and then his, his performances, um, you know, one of those all time type performances. I think I I have this in the notes and we'll get to it later, but like Tom Hardy as Bane basically like invents memes. Yeah. And like, (laughs) you know, he's, it's, the Bane character became like this, pop culture phenomenon in a, in a, in a different way than the Joker did. But we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, I was going to ask you, I guess, like, what are your, what were your thoughts like surrounding the movie? Um, thinking back to when you first saw it, I guess. So the movie came out in 2012. Mm -hmm. Um, I was 23 in 2012. I don't know how old you were.
0: Um, Uh, I just finished my freshman year of college. I was 19.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, like, what do you what do you remember about the release of the movie and like the hype surrounding it? Obviously, like there was a big tragedy surrounding the movie. Yeah. Um, the movie's opening. So, like, what what was your experience with that? And you're from Colorado. Geez, yeah. wow. I'm just now remembering that. Wow.
0: Yeah. So I saw the movie at midnight when it came out. Um, I saw it with like all my good friends, my little sister, um, and. I remember like leading up to the movie, we were all pretty pumped to see it. Um, because it was a very odd group of people to be going to see it. Like we would never go see a movie together under the, those circumstances, like any other circumstances, um, like we, where we brought our siblings or whatever. Um, so I remember being like super hyped and I like was really excited to see it, um, And I remember just thinking like, wow, this is just like such an intense movie. There's so much to like take in. I can't wait to rewatch it. Um, So I lived in Colorado Springs. So like an hour from Aurora, like the shooting. So the movie finished at like 3am and my dad lives on the East coast and he was calling me at like 6am and I He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm sleeping. I'll call you later. He's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yes, I'm sleeping. (laughs) So like, I remember then like him being like, you need to look at the news and like, this just happened. So I for sure remember a lot about like going to that movie. What about you? Like, Like what was the hype like before? And then like after you saw it,
1: so, yeah, the hype leading up to it, I guess, um, coming off of, you know, one of the most successful superhero movies ever and um, this incredibly, like, popular franchise and, you know, there's... Heath Ledger has passed, obviously, and so um, people are anxious to see, like, what Tom Hardy is going to do as Bane. Um, for me, I guess, I, I was... I. It's one of those movies that I would have watched at midnight back then um, from like when I was like maybe 16. I think the first movie that I saw at midnight was Spider-Man 2, oh. which came out uh, 2004, maybe. So like from age 15 through like my early 20s, I used to go to a lot of like midnight shows. And that's one of them that I would have gone to, except at that time I had started working mornings. Mm. Um, I was working mornings at uh, a TV station in Des Moines, uh, at the, at the NBC local affiliate in Des Moines. And so at that time I had to be, I had to be at work at three in the morning. And so I didn't go to the midnight show because I would have had to have gone straight to work from, from there. And my, uh, like supervisor who was the director of that, of the morning show, he was like, he, he, he's a huge comic book guy. So he was like, yeah, if you want to, if you want to come in late, you know, blah, 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 it's not a big deal. But I was like, uh, at that time I really prioritized sleep. So mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't end up doing it. But, um, so it's weird. Like I have two big movie or I have two big events, like two stories about big news events from my time of working at, at TV news. The first one is when bin Laden was killed. Like I have a whole story about that, that I won't get into because it's too long. Um, so I have a story surrounding that and how that happened. And then the second one is the dark Knight rises shooting story, which is, um, and it's not long, but like, I, I, I came into work that morning and I got in at, you know, at three and I, I worked in production. So I, I worked camera and audio and all this other stuff. And I was primarily, um, when I wasn't in the studio shooting the, the news, I would be in the control room. And so I walked in that morning. It's the control room. And my, the director, his name was Joe. And I walked in that morning and I asked him something that I've, I'd never asked at that point I'd been working. Um, I started that job in like January and the dark Knight rises came out in July. So I never asked him this before and I never asked him, asked him of him afterwards, but like, for whatever reason, randomly that morning when I got in, I was like, is there any like news? Is there anything, is there any like big news that's going on or anything like that? And he was like, and he's like, uh, and he like looked through and he's like, there was a shooting at a, at a movie theater in Colorado, but that's it. And like the way that he said it, I just assumed that it was like, like some guy, like, did a drive by at a, at a theater and like maybe one person got shot in the leg or something like that. And like, that was it. Like the way that he described it was really nonchalant in that because at the, at the time, like we just didn't know, it was probably right after it happened and we just didn't have all of the news yet and all the information. And then as the news, as the morning went on and um, our morning show starts at five or started at five, and so as the morning went on, we got more and more information about what happened. And then it was like this huge event. And it was just, I just felt so weird that I asked him that morning. Like, I never asked that question. I never came in like, what's going on in the you news? Know, I just like happened to, to ask him that morning. And that's what, you know, what kind of came of it. So that's what I remember about it. And being just nervous about, you know, going to sit in the big theater after that and things like that. I went and saw the movie at an, in an IMAX screen in Council Bluffs, which is... Um, like right next to Omaha. So about, about an hour and a half away from Des Moines. Um, But I remember going to see it. Like, I think I saw it like on a, on a Saturday afternoon, uh, the day that it like, it came out on a Friday and I went the next day. But like, I just remember that happening in the, in the, at work and being like really weirded out by it and really scared by everything and it became like this national moon story, and we had a local angle to it too because we just cover like how people were feeling here. But yeah, just a weird, weird thing surrounding the release of the movie, and a really like tragic thing surrounding the release. Of the movie. Yeah. How was it like being someone who was like close to that community? Like how how did people in Colorado Springs kind of like what was the reaction there?
0: Um, like Colorado Springs, so for folks who have not been to like Colorado Springs or Denver or like really that. um, So Colorado Springs is like maybe an hour away from Aurora. And so people were like kind of scared. I remember people being like, yeah, I wasn't like, I didn't have great feelings about it, but I mean, people still went to movies. People are just a little more like, um shaken up about it and it was for sure just like a huge news thing for a long time like even when that guy was like when he had his trial and everyone like that was just like super big news for so long um but it wasn't at least I didn't feel like it stopped people from like wanting to go to theaters they were just as worried as they are like any other day like I don't know. Um, it, I feel like the discussion around like mental health kind of shifted after that. Um, and, and like watching movies, but like, that also probably speaks to the people I spend a lot of time around. Um, and not the overall climate, but, um, my parents were just like a little more and like my dad who does not live in Colorado. He was like, you can't like go out. And I'm like, it's fine. We're fine. It's fine. But he did not feel great about that after the Aurora shooting and then like Columbine being in Colorado. So like, right. Colorado doesn't have the best track record here, but it doesn't stop people from like continuing to like live their lives there.
1: Yeah, I think I remember, you know, there was the mental health um, debate and then, of course, always the gun rights debate. Yeah. And that became like a, a thing, which is something that unfortunately we're still having to to deal with now. Oh. Um, and I think that it's, it's interesting to look at a state like Colorado, which is like at the forefront of like legalizing marijuana and like stuff like that. But then you also have these... Um, this history with, with like mass shootings there as well. And just, I mean, I'm not from Colorado obviously, but it's just like from the outside looking in, it just seems like such a, an interesting, like dichotomy there and yeah. go, go ahead. <laughs> no, no. That's, this, I'm this is a politics podcast. Now this is it. <laughs>
0: yeah. um, no, I think you're right. It's, it's definitely, I'm sure from the outside looking in, it looks very
1: odd. Um Yeah. We'll save that combo for the next podcast (laughs) when we get into the Colorado debates. Um, Yeah. So like I, again, thinking about how I felt when I first watched it and then watching it now, and then, you know, thinking about it differently. Now um, I'm looking for different things. Um, I'm noticing things that I didn't notice uh, that I didn't notice before, I guess. What was, what was your kind of your, your biggest takeaway from watching it again now?
0: Um, so like, I, I think like a big thing I didn't notice was kind of how Bruce is just processing through things in it. Um, like he's very mopey in the beginning, which is fair. Like I'm not, my criticism is not that like he's mopey, um, because he has lost everything that mattered to him except for Alfred. Um, but, like, I guess I didn't notice his growth throughout the movie that he, like, he goes from being like, Rachel, to, okay, no, I have to save Gotham, and then I'm done. And, like, I'm going to try to, like, be happy. Like, he's trying to be happy instead of, like, trying to sabotage himself.
1: It's interesting that you put it that way, because I know that, like, a big thing is, like, Alfred in this movie feels like he's trying to sabotage himself. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and, and he,
1: go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead.
0: <laughs> um, no, just that like, yeah, Alfred does point it out. And I don't think I noticed it when I watched it like the first time, where I was like, Oh yeah, Alfred's being like, dude, stop being an emo kid and then leaves. So it maybe I was not like looking for it. Maybe I was just Kind of enjoying the movie for like face value. I don't know, but that was something that I'm just like, oh yeah, like Bruce grows a lot from start to finish.
1: What do you think is like the best out of these three movies? What do you think is the best Bruce movie? I guess you know it's or I, the best performance as Bale. Like, what, is, what I, I? don't even want to ask that because that's. <laughs> I mean, obviously, obviously, Batman Begins is like the Bruce movie, but like, I guess my 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 the real question I want to ask is like, what what's different to you? About Bruce in this movie versus the previous two movies, besides like the mopiness, obviously, that you that you just pointed out, which is definitely a stark. He's very he's very moody in this movie. He's moody in the dark night, but like he's Dark Knight Rises takes the moodiness to another level. But like what else what else did you notice that was different from, from him in this movie as compared to the other two movies?
0: Well, I think because he's supposed to be like older, um, because it's been eight years since the Dark Knight. And I think that he's like a little bit more like cynical, like until it, until Bane is like, I'm going to like mentally hurt you. I don't think that Bruce is like, he seems very hopeless and it like, I think it is because he has seen so much and he's just like, I just can't deal with it anymore. And like that comes with age, like you see things where you're just like, I just can't, I can't bother myself with dealing with this right now. So um, I think that's like a big difference for, for Bruce. Um, he's not as like, I don't want to say like, he's not as like ready to charge into action. Cause he still is, but like he understands that he has limits in this movie. Right. And I don't feel like in the other two movies, Bruce feels like he has limits
1: I agree, and it's it's uh, you made such a good point about him being older and how that like really informs his performance in this movie or you know the way that he um interacts with people or you know for the first you know forty minutes of this movie, how he doesn't interact with people mm-hmm. and i just I thought it was interesting for for the movie to ask the question, like what, what happens when a guy like this gets old? Um, and we talked a little bit about this in the last podcast, but like this movie really leans heavily into, um, the dark Knight returns influence, the dark Knight returns, uh, graphic novel by Frank Miller, mm-hmm. um, but which is about like an older Batman, a Batman, like in his fifties who gets like basically called back into action, not from the people of Gotham, but by his own psyche and how you can't like resist becoming Batman again. Uh, it's, I, I thought, I don't have this in the notes, but it's something that I, I just thought of is how at the end of The Dark Knight, Batman becomes like this outlaw or whatever who gets chased. But it's like, it, it kind of, this movie kind of insinuates that like he stopped being Batman almost like immediately after that. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't, I don't think that I processed that before. Like, that stuck out to me now. But, like, before, I just assumed that he had kept being Batman and was just, like, an outlaw for a few years and then stopped.
0: I think that's a fair, because later in the movie, when Alfred's like, I've, you know, I've stitched you up, I've reset your bones. Um, like, it seems like he's saying it like it was recent. And so maybe that's why it like didn't seem like he had not been doing anything for eight years.
1: Yeah. The timeline stuff is just kind of wonky to me. I wasn't like completely sure about like how long he had, because the movie opens with. Yeah. With like Harvey Dent's funeral or whatever, which is another thing that I had forgotten. Same. Like that's the first thing that the first image we see is of like Gordon with the huge picture of Harvey Dent behind him. And so it kind of insinuates that it's like, this is immediately picking up like right after the events of the last movie. But then, you know, after the the cold open, which, which I wanted to, to get into a little bit um, after that, like it, you, it, it cuts to like Wayne Manor and, obviously some time has passed and Harvey Dent day has been established and all this other stuff. So like the time we know that we've gone forward in time for a while, but we're not sure how long. And I don't know. It was just really interesting to me.
0: What was your like major takeaway when
1: rewatching this? The first, the, one of the biggest things I guess in this, I don't know why this stuck out to me so much more than so than the rest of the movie, but honestly, it's the opening sequence. Oh, Um, I remember, seeing a a different movie at that council bluffs imax we used to go to that imax a bunch because um at the time it was the only imax screen
0: Mm.
1: in in iowa that wasn't a dome like we have the science center here and there's like a domed imax screen but i don't like dome imaxes because it like stresses the picture at the top and i'm like craning my neck or whatever (laughs) um so we used to I'm a movie snob I'm sorry I'm a movie theater snob I used to work at a movie theater so I'm just like a real big snob about that type of shit I'm lame I'm sorry I'm the worst (laughs) everyone but um so we for like the big IMAX movies and you know the Dark Knight was partially shot in IMAX and I think this movie was also also partially shot in IMAX so we would like make plans to go and to see this movie and we would drive the hour and a half or whatever and go and so there was a different movie that I saw. I don't remember which one, but there was like a preview of the Dark Knight Rises attached to that movie, whatever movie we were seeing. And it was like, we just saw the opening plane sequence. Um, it's similar to Tenet. I saw this new, the new Christopher Nolan movie that may or may not come out next month. Uh, one of the last movies I saw in the theater, whatever movie that was, there was like a little preview attached to it of like, like, a five-minute sequence of the movie. And it was just this cute, like, the opening... It, it has, like, really nothing to do with the rest of the movie except to introduce the character of Bane. Mm-hmm. Like, he could have really been introduced in a number of different ways. But that opening sequence is just so, like, jarring to me. It's so... Um, it, when I watch that sequence, I, I, I think to myself, like Christopher Nolan is just like really, is just a really good director. I'm not really sorry I couldn't put that more eloquently, but he's just like it, it, it's an incredible set piece where you have this plane and these guys in the plane, and the guy who I can't think of his name, but he plays Peter Baelish in, in Game of Thrones, and he's like, "Where's pain?" And like they bring them on the plane and all the guys are in hoods or whatever, and they're up in the air. And it's just like this small, like private plane. And then it gets taken over by Bane and his men from flying above on an even larger plane. And I'm just watching it. And I'm just like, how did they do that? Cause it just like, looks like they're literally, you know, 20,000 feet in the air doing this. And I know that they did, I'm like, some of it had to have been real. And like a lot of it has is like CGI or whatever, but I'm just like, I can't tell which is which and just like watching it. I'm just like, Oh my gosh. And I remember the first time I saw that opening sequence in the preview. And I was just like, he's, he's going for it. Like this is going to be a huge movie. And he's like, I'm going to show you things that don't seem possible. But you're gonna like be thinking, "How did I do that?" And that's 100% how I felt watching that opening sequence. I'm just like, "This is just a, a great director producing an incredible, an incredibly, an incredible visual moment." Like that really, that really lingered for me the, the entire rest of the film. Even though the rest of the film really doesn't have anything to do with that opening sequence, I guess. What did you think about that opening sequence?
0: That's like one of the the scenes that, like, when I think of this movie, I think of that. Even, like, knowing that it's coming, like, when it cuts to that, they're getting on the plane, um, and he's, like, asking them questions, and it's just, like, a very tense moment. The plane getting, like, destroyed and taken over. but It's just, like, there's so many small details in it, that it's just a very well thought out scene but it, like that's like the whole movie there are so many small things that are just like very well thought out and I, I think that that opening sequence really is just like it kind of captures all it's like a very good snapshot of it Um, from them taking the blood of the, the scientists and putting it in another person to make it look like you know he's dead and like we didn't take him and leaving one of Bane's guys on the plane and him like justifying it where he's like, yeah, like you just need to stay on this plane, man. And this man just like listening to
1: Bane, like, yeah, that checks out. I'm going to die. He's um, like, okay, Bane, I trust <laughs> you here. Yeah, like, I mean, damn. What? He's like, no dog, like you got to stay in here and die. And the guy's like, okay, cool.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, that checks out. Um, so it just, man, there's just so much in it. That, yeah, it's a, it's a really good scene and it was really good. That's when I was like, that's one of those scenes, like seeing it in theaters was just really cool.
1: I wanted to ask you, I guess, like following up after that scene, and then we, we talk about how they go to like Wayne Mayer and stuff. Um, we're introduced to Selena Kyle pretty early. Yeah. And so you're, you're, you're rewatching the movie and you forgot that she's in the movie. Um but you're watching her performance like what did you think of of Anne Hathaway as as Selena Kyle who's never called Catwoman in this movie I'm pretty sure but I don't what think you, what, she did. what did you think of her?
0: Um I like her and I like the character and I did not this like one of the things picked up like watching this movie again and rewatching it to try and like you know think about what's going on um She's just like doing bad stuff to like get out of like stuff she had to do. It's, like she's just trying to get by. Um and like she points out Bruce's privilege and that's something I did not remember from watching it, like seeing the movie originally, um where everyone's just like, yeah, not everyone is like you, Bruce. <laughs> um and she's just like a very fearless character and she feels so bad when she like thinks that she has led Bruce to his death, but thinking that she can like restart her life. Like she has a lot of things going on. Like there's a lot of conflicting feelings in her um, that I don't feel like a lot of other characters. You see that in a lot of the other characters where they feel bad about their decisions. Like Bruce is just like, don't kill people. And, like, that's it. And he's just, like, I just want revenge, kind of. And I just want to save the city. Like, he is very, like, goal-oriented in what he's, like, I'm going to do this to accomplish this. And he doesn't have, like, a lot of, like, feelings that we see. Like, we know he feels sad in this movie because of all of the things in The Dark Knight. But, like, I don't know. Selena is, like a more complex character with like a lot less in your face moments like Bruce and Bane. What did you think of Anne Hathaway as Catwoman, but not named Catwoman?
1: Right. Yeah. You made a lot of good points there. Uh, I think that something that you kind of hinted at is kind of like the, the differences between the two of them where she's like this, you know, this cat burglar who, you know, it's implied that she grew up poor and scraping around and she's become like this sort of master thief, um, you know, master, you know, scam artist, finesse or however you want to say, also like really adept at fighting and just like, it's, it's implied that she's had a really hard life and has had to like scrap for everything that she's gotten. Mm-hmm. And then she's positioned against a Bruce who's this like child of privilege and grew up rich and everything like that. And, you know, rejected his privilege, quote unquote, by like leaving the country and like learning how to be a a villain or whatever. But like, at the end of the day, he always knew he could come back home and have that, you know, generational wealth at his lap, which he does eventually. And so they're sort of, they're sort of pitted together against each other in that way. But they, you know, kind of reluctantly work together and they end up, she like doesn't really become a romantic interest for him until like three quarters of the movie is over. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know. There's, I think that they had chemistry. I think they had an interesting chemistry together. Um, and I think that I just, I liked Anne Hathaway's performance as Selena Kyle. I think that she was just, I think she was well suited towards the role. Um, I think she played the, um, you know, she's kind of, she's a little cynical, Mm -hmm. a little detached from things, but she's also, she's just like razor sharp, right? She's like hyper aware of everything going on, hyper intelligent, always two steps ahead. And, um, you know, she has to play, you know, a a role where she's always looking out for herself at the, at, you know, above all else. And then towards the end, Bruce is kind of like, he's almost, it's weird, but he's almost, it's almost like older brothery where he's kind of like, uh, you know there's more to you than that you can you know i believe in you i think that you're not living up to your potential like that's so it's weird to have like that that aspect of it kind of like brushed up against like oh okay well maybe we'll like be together after this or whatever i don't know that was weird it's it's it was it's definitely different from like the other you know frame of reference i have for a batman and catwoman in a movie like this is is batman returns which yeah. we might have um might have briefly touched on in this podcast i don't i can't remember if we have or not but like it's just a way different energy like that michelle pfeiffer as Catwoman is this very like yeah. this manic psychosexual you know um feminist um revenge laden energy that she brings and she's incredible like in my opinion she's like it's it's one of the most underrated superhero movie performances ever. Like she's just like crazy in that movie. And I don't mean that like in a negative sense. I don't mean that as a pejorative. I mean like she's her energy is just like crazy in the most positive way imaginable. She's like owns the screen and her dynamic with Michael Keaton's Batman is like it's way more sexual than than The Dark Knight Rises. Like it's very like they're adversaries but they're also like they want to have sex with each other but you know it's just like it's this crazy energy that they have and um it's just it's a lot different than than the dark knight rises but i i enjoyed both of them i guess is what i'm saying
0: i feel like that's never a vibe in any of the dark knight movies
1: (laughs) (laughs) no it's not it's it's i think that's the christopher nolan thing in general yeah but really especially in these movies like it's these are very chaste movies these are very like, like this movie. Him, it's implied that him and like Bruce and Miranda sleep together, but this is like very, it's very wholesome. Um, in a way that you know, Batman returns is basically an erotic thriller <laughs> in a lot of ways, but like this is, this is like the opposite of that. This is very, um, very straight laced Batman, which is fine. I'm just, it's, it's very, it's, it's, it's apparent that that's not a, Christopher Nolan really isn't interested in diving into like the sexual politics of Batman if there is such a thing. I guess sounds like a New New Yorker (laughs) article.
0: (laughs) It does. I feel like it'd get a lot like people would read that. Um, Yeah, he definitely has a tone. And we've talked about how like the tone of the Dark Knight movies are just like very different from other Batman movies. It's just like, like you said, it's like wholesome in terms of like, you know, Bruce's relationship with like women, but it's like such a, like the stories are so dark. Um And even with like, I think with like the killing, like there's so many, so many people die in these movies, but it's not like gory or gross or like, like you know that people are dying and the way that the movies are made, like you still feel that, like, oh my gosh, like it's not, oh, like it's off screen. I'm not worried about it. Or like, it's not in your face. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like y- you know that it's a heavy moment and you feel it and you feel like the, the tension in the, in the scenes, um, regardless of like whether it is Bruce, and Bane or like Bruce and his relationship with either Miranda or um Selena. Like there's just so much more that's stressing you out during the movie <laughs> that I don't think other Batman movies uh do. Or maybe I just like haven't watched them recent
1: enough to feel stressed watching them. Yeah. This is these are very psychological movies. Yes. Yeah, it has to be, and I think that I think that the Tim Burton Batman's are too, just in a different way. Like I, I feel like the Tim ba- Burton Batman's are more like, why is this guy dressed as a bat? Yeah. Versus you know why what like why is this guy dressed as a bat and why does he fight crime? And I think that you know Christopher Nolan's movies are more like why it's certainly those two things, but he's more interested in like, why is this man trying to save this corrupt city? Like our cities, our city's able to be saved. Is crime able to be stopped like those. So it's just different things. And like, it's definitely a conscious choice when you talk about the violence, like there's, these are violent movies, but like there's almost no blood in them at all. Like there's a scene where, um, towards the end where the, uh, one of the police commanders or whatever uh i think he's played by matthew modine the uh the guy who's with joseph gordon leverett's character a lot of the time like that kind of foley foley yeah the like the superior cop guy like he he finally at the end of the movie he finally decides to like become a cop again and like fight bane and his men or whatever and like he ends up getting killed and like the camera zooms in on him and you can tell that he's been shot but the camera like zooms in tight on him and there's like no like bullet holes or anything like that. Like there's nothing. And like to me, I'm, I like watch that. And I'm like, that has to be like a conscious choice where, where Christopher Nolan is just like, yeah, this guy is dead and he died a brutal death. But like I'm just not the type of director where I, I you're not gonna see like any bullet holes or any like I'm not gonna show you the gore, the gore or like the visceral nature of his death. It's just like, I just want you to understand, like, this guy has died and we're gonna we're gonna keep it moving so i don't know that's just kind of his style i guess
0: i'm here for it i very much like his movies and that style because like the blood is it just isn't
1: in a not movie you. Where you,
0: yeah it's not for me but like and in these movies where they're already like creating like a feeling in that they don't need that um he does a very good job of like setting the mood <laughs>
1: yeah i agree uh just yeah um oof. what did you think about um i guess i guess a way that we can we can do this we've been we've been having this convo um i guess we can just kind of go two different characters like we've talked about bruce we've talked about bane i'm sure we'll talk about bane a little bit more but like what did you think of the miranda tate character
0: I think the first time I watched the movie, I was like, Miranda Tate, where'd she come from? But like, it sounds like she just wants to like make the world a better place. I did remember I don't like her when I watched it this time. I was like, man, I don't like her. This is so not great that like, and I, um, I knew her and Bruce like had a relationship kind of. Like, when I was watching this, I'm like, all oh, right. right. Like, he trusts her, but, like, why Why does Bruce love this woman so much who's, like, he doesn't even know her, and he's like, hey, run my company. Like, what is wrong with you?
1: No. It's so weird. That is so weird, yeah.
0: <laughs> it, like, it does not – it doesn't make sense to me. Um, so I think that she gets really cocky at the end, and that's, like – That's fine. She ends up dying. Um, Plot twist, or not plot twist, but spoiler alert. Um, So I think she's a very interesting character, but I really don't like her because she's evil. Like, she's like, I'm just going to, like, kill everyone in this city because, like, you killed my father, Bruce. Like, what? Girl, calm down.
1: It's so, it's, yeah, it's, I don't know. that It's such a like, comparable to, like, Catwoman. Like, I feel like Catwoman was, like, a, a fully realized character. And then you get to Miranda, and it's just, like, there's this, like, ambiguity about, well, she's actually the one who escaped from the prison, and, like, this yeah. and this other... I don't know. It's just... You see, the reveal, like you said, like, the reveal at the... at near the end point of the movie that she's, like, Talia al Ghul. Yeah. Um, was I remember seeing it and being, like... I don't know. I, I remember, I, I remember thinking like, I guess that makes sense. But like, I, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's kind of messily done. I felt like, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Because like, it was a surprise to me when that reveal happened, but it was also just like, wait, what? Um, maybe because they just like, had to do that hard pivot from what they probably were going to originally do. Um, but had to change in light of Heath Ledger's like death. Um, But like, how are you going to like make Catwoman a really good character in Bane? And then like, kind of like your actual mastermind of the fi- like the villain of the movie kind of, Oh, we're going to reveal. And then like, it's probably just the like information dump that comes with it where it's like, well, like I didn't have this whole film to like make this happen for you. Come on now.
1: Yeah. It's, I, I kind of almost see it just like hearing you speak about it. I see it kind of as a missed opportunity because there's a rich text about the relationship between Talia al Ghul and, and Batman. Um, I'm more familiar with it in the cartoon series. There's a big thing like it's, you know, it's the, the forbidden love type thing, right? Where they're very, they're attracted to each other and they're like, they have feelings for each other clearly, but you know, his, her father is like a super villain. And she, you know, sometimes she'll side with, with Batman. Sometimes she'll side with her father. And it's, there's this ambiguity there, but um, in the comics too, like in the comics, they have a son, Together, they have you know, yeah. Damian Wayne um, is the son of Bruce Wayne and, and Talia al Ghul, and so there's uh, and you know Damian Wayne becomes Robin in some iterations. He becomes he becomes a version of Batman in other iterations. So um, there's definitely and obviously they weren't going to get into that with the movie, but I just felt like the relationship between the two of them is isn't developed in a way that that it could have been, I guess, especially if we had known that it was Talia al Ghul in the beginning but if we had known that i think it would have been a completely different movie so
0: yes and there wouldn't i don't know if he would have like had the relationship with catwoman that he has yeah i don't know there there are a lot of unknowns but basically yeah <laughs> miranda got the short end of the stick in terms of character development
1: oh, for sure for sure uh, did
0: and i don't know if it's like cuz the actress who plays her did well It just, like, especially in the moments where, like, Gotham is just, like, absolute chaos, and she's just very, like, what do I do? What is my role? Like, those are the opportunities where they could have, like, done something with her in terms of developing, like, oh, what are her motives? What is she doing? How does this all, like, kind of, like, are we going to kind of show you that she will, like, is the villain or, like, are we going to, like, lean into that she really was trying to, like, make the world a better place? Like, I don't know. Missed opportunity.
1: It really was. It really was. There's so much more that could have been done. And, you know, he made the movie you wanted to make, but, you know, we could, that's why we have this podcast. We, we speculate about other avenues, potentially.
0: Do you think he'll make more not like batman batman movies but like do you think he's gonna make more hero movies and do you think he would
1: do it for robin i think that there's you know i i think that there's a potential for it i think that he would make if he if he does a a a john blake robin movie i think that that would be really interesting and i think that he would do it well i just don't think that he will i think you know i don't know the man personally obviously but like (laughs) I think that he's more, like, he hasn't really done a franchise movie since this. Like, he's the franchise now, right? Like, Christopher Nolan is, like, he's the one who's opening these movies. Like, people go to see Christopher Nolan movies because he's directing it. It's true. So, he doesn't really have to. And I think that he's, like, just wanted to do more of his own original stuff now. And I think that he's, like, you know, I I did my superhero franchise. I was grateful to do it. I had fun doing it. But now I want to do something else, so... Um, which is interesting because the the end of the movie, right? Like certainly sets it up as, okay, here's the new Batman. Yeah. Right. So it's interesting that he chose to do that while kind of putting off the vibe that he's just like, yeah, I'm done.
0: I mean, you never know. In a couple of years he could come back to it and maybe not necessarily do like Robin. I don't know. I just, I like, I would like it because I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, I also like the style of this superhero movie. Um, it doesn't always feel like a superhero movie, um, kind of like the Marvel movies where like, they are enjoyable, but you know, you're watching a movie, they're going to save the world from some outside thing. And like, it's going to be fun. Um, these movies aren't fun and like how they're like very much a drama and they're like a crime focused film. Um, I don't know. They're fun in their own way. So it'd be fun to see more films similar to this just because there are not as many.
1: We haven't, I guess this, this kind of begs the question and we don't have to spend a lot of time on this if we don't want to, but I guess like, what are your thoughts on these new types of, DC movies that we've had in the wake of, you know, the the Dark Knight trilogy. Like, what do you think of the the Batman versus Superman's or the, you know, I, I, I we'll stick to just though. We'll stick to the ones that. So there's Batman versus Superman and there's like Justice League. Those are the two Batman movies post this. Like I won't we won't get into Man of Steel, but like or Wonder Woman, but like what do you think of? What do you think of those the two movies that Batman has been in prominently since? this have you i'm assuming you've seen those movies
0: i've seen justice league i don't know if i saw i can't remember if i saw batman versus superman okay um because i was not one. i didn't hear good reviews about any of the new dc movies so i was like well i'm not gonna waste time on a movie that like one i've probably seen the cartoon version of it or watched a different version of this in some way shape or form um but I remember watching Justice League and being like, mm, not great. Um, and it it's like they want to take these superheroes and like be like, okay, well, the Avengers was like a super successful franchise. Let's be like them. Let's kind of let's be more fun, quote unquote, or whatever. And like, don't change your vibe people want to see like other things and like, they still like kept like the serious vibe, but like, it's just not working. It's just not great. Um, and it's also very hard to follow up Christopher Nolan's dark Knight trilogy. There you can't a couple years later be like, yeah, I'm going to make Ben Affleck Batman. Like what? No, you can't do that. And then have like just a mediocre Batman movie. Um, it It is a tough act to follow because they are so beautifully done.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And just briefly, okay. what you what you mentioned about the difference between the MCU and what DC is doing now. I think one of the biggest things is just like even a, a movie like Justice League is they try to just like jump the gun. Yeah. Because MCU like had this plan laid out of okay here are these movies here's this next batch of movies and now we're going to lead up to the Avengers now we're yeah. going to lead up to um we're going to take okay here's the movies batch movies after that and now we're going to lead up to Age of Ultron here's the next batch of movies and then we're going to lead up to Infinity War and Endgame versus you know I think that the DC saw the success of the Avengers like the first Avengers that came out in 2012 and they're like okay we're just going to do we're going to try to just jump right to that. Like they did man of steel and Batman versus Superman. And those weren't really as well, as well received. Mm -hmm. And it's like, then wonder woman drops. Right. And wonder woman doesn't really have a lot to do with either of those other two movies in the same way that the MC movies are interconnected. Yep. But they, I think that, you know, wonder woman was a big hit. And so after wonder woman, like, all right, let's get this justice league popping, like as quick as possible. And so they kind of jumped the gun um a little bit and it just wasn't as as well planned out and stuff. So and then uh, again, Christopher Nolan's movies are just like really, you know, they have so much like brilliance in them and um they're just kind of singular, and it's just it's gonna be hard to replicate that either way. So
0: yeah. Like I know they're doing the a new Batman with like Robert Pattinson. Yes. And
1: which has been delayed because of because uh, of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah.
0: And like, I'll be interested to see like that one. I probably will go see because it probably is not going to be like a super happy Batman. <laughs>
1: um, right.
0: I I think it'll be probably. I would hope it is nothing mm. like these Christopher Nolan movies, but like it. I surely would assume it'll be better than what DC just tried to do with everything.
1: I'm interested. It's in like, we're, it's kind of at a crossroads moment, right? Where it's like, okay, where do we go from here? Yeah. We've had wonder woman was a hit, but you know, man of Steel and Batman versus Superman weren't hits, but then, um, you know, Aquaman is a hit, right? Like Aquaman makes a lot of money, but you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting time for them and it's it's also it tough that they try to do it so quickly after this, you know, Dark Knight Rises wow. came out in, in 2012 and then Batman versus Superman is like 2015 maybe. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's it's tough. I w- I wanted to ask you um really one of my um I guess one of my last questions is like the Joker, like, is just not mentioned in this movie at all, right? Correct. Like, there's zero mention of him. There's zero mention of, of, the, of the events of the previous movie. But, like, Harvey Dent, except, like, Harvey Dent is the only... Like, Harvey Dent, like, looms over the movie in a way that the Joker does not. Like, it's the opposite. And, like, I've read where Christopher Nolan was like, you know, I didn't want to acknowledge him at all because of what happened with Heath and... Which is understandable, right? Like yeah. it's you, you know it's a tragedy and it's understandable. But like story wise, from a storytelling perspective, like how do we reconcile the fact that the Joker he dominated that movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like he he was he's in a lot of ways the main figure of that movie, and now there's like you know Harvey Dent is like the secondary villain in that movie. He's like the definition of a secondary villain. Yeah. But he's the one who kind of looms over this movie more. So like what did you think about that, I guess?
0: Um I think it makes sense that Harvey Dent is such a like significant part of this movie in terms of when they're talking about like cleaning up the city, getting rid of crime and like locking up all the mob bosses. Like it makes sense in like how they talk about him um where he's like this distant figure who like helped um, it is hard that they don't even like say where the Joker, like they could have just been like, oh, we put him in, in jail or we like, we did something with him um, just so that like people understand like where he, I mean, obviously if you're watching the dark Knight rises, I would hope you watch the dark night. Um, but just so that there's some closure just to like, especially since it's, like, the last movie of this trilogy, like, it makes sense to me to wrap up Loose Ends. Um, and uh, I get why they didn't. Like, that. it was probably just, like, really hard to
1: even deal with that. Yeah, like, emotionally. Like, not yeah. even just, like, you know, from a business standpoint. It's just, like, this was such a successful movie, he ends up winning, in, you know, a post Oscar for it. And, yeah. But it's just like, yeah, it's it's. there's nothing really that they could do. Like, the, the story is just going to suffer in that way. And that's just, you know, that's just the sacrifice you have to make. Because from a, from a humanity perspective, like, there's just, I think it's 100% the right call to just, like, not, we're not going to try to plot around, like, well, the Joker's in Arkham now, or he's, you know, he ended up, you know, dying in one of his schemes or whatever like that. Like, anything would have felt, like, in poor taste. Yeah. So it
0: I agree with you like it just it could not have there's no like winning situation so like not not even mentioning it like and the viewer like the other thing is like the viewer knows so like right right it's not a surprise that you don't
1: see this character Mm -hmm. um yeah. yeah I guess kind of going along with that I just I need to get your we have to talk about this um, I need to get your thoughts on Bane. Like, we we've talked about him a little bit, but like what are your rewatching you it? Like, what were your what were your Bane thoughts? He's just so
0: evil. Like, st- and like he describes himself as necessary evil. So, like, he knows that he's evil. But like, I don't know if it's a necessary, like, there's a lot of chaotic energy there with like but like he's also He has, like, a method. Like, he's very planned out. Like, the Joker in The Dark Knight, he talks about how he just, like, doesn't have a plan. Um, But he, like, obviously does. But it still feels like chaos. Like, you feel like, oh, what's happening? Bane, like, from the time he gets captured on the plane where he's like, oh, no, it was my plan to get captured. Um, And, like, every step has a plan. And even when they brought... Gordon down into like the sewers and Bane's like, dude, why'd you do this? Um he's still like he's like a very quick thinker and just like very sharp. Like he's a very sharp villain, but like again, very evil. He's like, yeah, it seems fine to just kill people um and torture them. Like to the the psychological torture piece of it, maybe that's why I'm like this he is just like the most evil. Um but he's a planner. At least he planned on this uh psychological
1: torment. I don't know. What do you think of Bane? He is a planner. He's like a Harry Potter level <laughs> planner. <laughs> the man has plans. Yeah. Lacing concrete with explosives. Like Yeah. I'd forgotten about that aspect of the movie, really. I, I I'd i forgotten about the links that he goes through. Cause like yeah. this is a plan that has to take like months, right? Yeah like to put that much, to put enough explosives into a city's like infrastructure to literally close it off from the rest of the country. Like that's going to take a lot of time. Like you're going to need permits. You're going to need, you know, you're going to have to go to city council and and get some, some, some zoning plans. I don't know. The man is a, the man was a planner. I think that, um, yeah. I, I think that he was a, he's a psychological and he's a physical threat yeah. to Batman in a way that like the Joker was more just like the psychological threat, but, but Bane is, is a very physical threat and like, he beats Batman's ass. yeah, Like, like that man gets his ass beat at the midpoint of the movie. And, um, he, you know, he breaks his back, which is like a nod to the nightfall comic book where Bane, you know, breaks Batman's back. Um, Yeah, he's I mean, he's a big dude and he's um, he has a uh, like this kind of evil charisma to where people follow him. Like people are loyal to him Mm -hmm. while also being afraid of him. Like the two guys who bring down Commissioner Gordon to the sewers, like he's doing his like, you know he's on his Ninja Turtle shit in the sewers making these plans. And like (laughs) his two henchmen bring Gordon down there and they think that he's going to be happy. And he's like, no, like, I'm not like, why did you bring him here? He panicked. And he ends up killing both of them. And like, that scene always sticks out to me. It's like, if you just like, I don't know, like if you hadn't brought him, (laughs) if you hadn't brought him to him, like Bane wouldn't have been mad. I don't know. It's just so weird to me, but he's, yeah. I mean, I don't want to do a Bane impression, but I feel like that's something that has been done. I mean, me and my friend certainly did it a lot. We had our, you know, our Bane accent impressions and, uh, it, it, he just became like this again, he like invented memes, I swear. But for him to have the impact that he did, it was, it was just an incredible, incredible moment. And, and shout out to Tom Hardy as Bane, like just an incredible performance.
0: He did so well. Um, and Bane, well, he talks, he does not talk that much. Like the Joker speaks so much in the dark night. Like he has so much time where he is just like talking. Um, and Bane is like,
1: it's like, he chooses
0: what he's going to say very carefully
1: he does. I agree with that. The Joker is very talky. The Joker is very, you know, here's my soliloquy on why chaos is good. And, here's, yeah. you know, this is it. But like Bane is a lot more calculated. He's very, um, he speaks only when necessary. And he's not going to, he information dumps a little bit, like when he takes Bruce back to the, um, to the hell prison. In, yeah. Saudi Arabia wherever they're at um but overall he, yeah he I agree like he he chooses his words carefully he's such a different villain than the Joker which I think was just a smart choice by the filmmakers to not try to retread yeah. that like there's nothing you're not going to get anything close to what Heath Ledger did so just go in a completely different direction and I think like Tom Hardy did a great job with that
0: yeah yeah, I agree. And he's he's very different even from like Scarecrow in the in Batman Begins. Like Bane is scary in his own own way. Mm-hmm. Um and it's scary that like he's working with Miranda Tate, but like not like when he's working with um Daggett. Like that's when it feels like Daggett's going to be Bane's fall guy until Bane like kills him. Right. Um, But like, that's a smart move. And is like, did he, did Bane think to, you know, become friends with John Daggett so that they could get to where they are putting explosives in concrete and like have all this, like they spend years planning or did like Miranda, was she just like so full of like anger that she was like, all right, we're going to just all work together on this. And that's like something that again, missed opportunity with her to be like, okay, like who is behind all of this? Like, obviously she just wants to destroy Gotham, but like, did Bane, um, did he have like a bigger role in this? And also with their relationship, like what's going on there that like Ra's al Ghul would kick Bane out of the League of Shadows.
1: Yeah. That's such a good point that you made that I don't I didn't really think about, but that's so true. It's just like, well, what's the what are the relationships between like Miranda and Daggett, where it's just like, was this was the Bane thing separate from what he was doing with Miranda? Like mm-hmm. there's sorts, that's you know, there's a lot of plot in these movies, especially in this movie. But like some of the plotting just kind of doesn't like really make sense. Like there's not a, there's some of it kind of comes apart under further examination, but I don't know. It's it's this this was a really convoluted plot movie. This is the most convoluted plot of of any of the movies. Agreed. and it works to the movie's disadvantage in some ways. But I mean, it's still a great movie. Still a really fun movie to watch. But there are some things where you're kind of just like, well, wait, well, the, what, if that if he did that, then why did she do that? Like that type of stuff. So
0: yeah, like they're supposed like Miranda and Bane are supposed to be like on the same side, but like there are times it's like, well wouldn't it have made sense to do things. To, I don't know. I'm not a villain, nor am I a Batman storyteller to be like, well, what if we had done this instead?
1: Right. It's, you know, we're the peanut gallery. We're it's, just kind of just trying to put our little two cents in, but you know, sometimes it just like, doesn't make sense. So
0: it's very true. Um, so because you've read a lot of the comic books, um that are Batman like and, and you've talked about how like in each movie there are different things that come out of the the comic books so like were you surprised about anything like Miranda T or like anything about Bane like was any of that like a surprise when watching this the first time
1: what's well, I'll start with Bane I guess Bane was such a Bane was a very he's a very cartoony type character he really like Tom Hardy gives Bane like a weight that the character really doesn't have in a lot of the other versions. And in a lot of the other versions, he's just like a souped-up meathead. Oh. And he has like this like the stuff connected to his face is isn't for his breathing. It's to like give him like an injection of steroids so he like becomes stronger. Like he's just he's a glorified meathead villain, to be yes. honest. And a in a lot of the um in like the comics and the in the cartoon series. But um yeah, his in this one he's more of just like uh like a crime lord slash international terrorist. Yeah. And um you know he's it I think that the movie I think he has just more depth in the movie, which is weird because he doesn't really he honestly doesn't have a lot of depth in this movie but he has more depth in the movie than he does in the comics. Um, as, as far as Talia al Ghul, as far as that reveal, I don't remember if I, excuse me, I might've heard before the movie came out that she was, that that character was Talia al Ghul. I can't remember like upon first watching it, but um, during that reveal, I just, like I said before, I'm just like, uh, okay, I, I don't know. It was kind of clumsy to me, I guess. I don't know.
0: How would you have changed it to be, like, a little less clumsy?
1: I would have made the reveal earlier. Okay. Because it, it's, it's kind of tacked on at the end. Like, she's, she's revealed as Talia al Ghul, and the movie only has, like, 12 minutes left. Yeah. So I would have made it, like, maybe the midpoint of the movie, she's revealed to be Talia al Ghul. And, like, Bruce is in um you know bruce gets his ass beat and he gets exiled and then in there he finds out like actually miranda is tally al ghul and she has control of his company and she's going to you know use it to blow up gotham and so he has to like work and fight his way back in order to get back to gotham i would have had him get back to gotham earlier and then fight the both of them him and catwoman fight the both of them i guess Mm. But I like, just came up with that on the fly, but
0: I, I, I like that. But I don't know if he could have been back sooner because yeah. of his broken back. I right. feel like that five months,
1: which he heals by doing push-ups. Yeah, like, no way, <laughs> like, dude. Like he has a rope tied around him, and then he does push-ups, and he's all good. Like, I was like, that's... my guy, you're like you're taking some kind of like anabolic steroid or something, because like this is this biologically is impossible
0: yeah like the timeline there that was not something that had bothered me the first time but today I was like if his back is like severely broken that he cannot stand and everything hurts and he feels like he's dying also he was moved right after it was broken so like other things were probably hurt in the like moving process because I bet they're not treating him super delicately and I don't know I don't know about that back breaking timeline I think it takes them a year and a half to get back to Gotham. And I think that they... Because tr- I also feel like Gotham like descends into absolute chaos
1: way too quickly. Yeah. Which we got into in the last pod, right? Where if you like, you release all these criminals and then, yeah. you know, in the real world, most criminals would just go to their house and like hide out from the cops. But now like these these criminals, and I guess all the cops are like trapped in the sewers or whatever, but like the criminals just like are taking over the city. And then there's this crazy, like ridiculous court that the scarecrow is a part of. And it's just like this really like flamboyantly crazy situation.
0: Yes. And like that situation to me is like maybe one of the handful of times where watching any of these movies, I'm like, yeah, this seems like, um, like the cartoon or the comics. There, there are a lot of times that I feel that way. I'm like, oh yeah, Batman, these are like, again, I don't f- watch them and feel like it's a superhero movie. Um, like, the whole Gotham with no police department, I'm just like, this is not, like, this ain't it. There's no, like, if you're saying, like, Bane is like, oh yeah, like, the city is going to be run by the people, basically. Well, like... No, it's not. <laughs> like, this is not what would happen if, like, everyone was just like, hey, go, you're free. Like, we don't have rules anymore. I just, it doesn't seem right.
1: <laughs> it's really crazy. It's just not not feasible. Also, he leaves, you know, he's in Iraq or wherever he's at, and he has no money. Yeah, And it's like, did you like, are you like walking back to Gotham or like, how did you, you got a plane ticket somehow, or just like in your back and like, you're back like the next day. I don't know. The timeline of this movie, like you said, is just really weird.
0: And like, I get that they are trying to be like, oh yeah, this is all happening within like a reasonable time. But I don't, I don't think so. Same with like Jim Gordon and him having like his injuries. Like he's old. He's an older guy. I don't know there are some, some minor holes doesn't really take away from the movie being a really good movie, but like just things that you're like, maybe look at a calendar and consult with a doctor. Also some anthropologists or sociologists in terms of like how quickly a society, right. like, no um, law enforcement, like what that would actually kind of look like. I don't believe that it would be criminals running that society. Um, I don't know, but that like they did point out like earlier in the movie when they're talking about like Harvey Dent and them getting a lot of criminals like off the streets, I'm like, well, if they're like just filling up their prison, that doesn't seem right either,
1: right it's uh yeah, again, like there's so much plot in the movie, but then it's yeah. just like, what are we doing here like what's writing wise like what's going on there's a lot of. There's a lot of nonsensical shit going on. Again, great movie, but this, yeah, kind of weird.
0: I'm wondering if they just wanted to like cram as much Batman stuff in as they could because they knew it was the end and they were like, well, we're going off the rails anyway because we can't do what we were originally going to do. So, like, let's just like lean into it. And at times they lean in and it's just like, what you doing, bud?
1: Right. Like, maybe, maybe rework that draft one more time.
0: Yeah. But they might, if they were to ever make a Robin movie or you know just a a different Batman movie, probably mm-hmm. not going to happen. but I have hope.
1: I will hold out hope. I mean, if it happens, we're definitely going to see the movie. so: That's a fact. If you're listening, <laughs> Warner Brothers, you have you have our money already. So
0: that's true. I will give you that 12 dollars to go see the movie.: <laughs> Right and now, then I'll go to the Alamo Draft House and probably order a ton of food because. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy their cauliflower bites.
1: Man, just I'll I'll be so glad when we can go back to movies again. We can go back to movie theaters. Really looking forward to that. Um, is there anything? Else? Oh, go ahead.
0: Oh no, no, no. what were you going to say?
1: I was just going to ask if there's anything else you wanted to to get, to go over before we wrap up here.
0: Um, I have a not serious question about um the Batman statue at the end of the movie.
1: Yes, like. I- <laughs> that's another that's it that's another scene that i don't remember maybe uh, that was in there maybe that was always in there. in there that maybe that was always in there but i don't i remember seeing that and be like do you remember the uh the cristiano ronaldo yeah. like statue <laughs> like that's <laughs> what that reminded me of yeah. it's like oh this doesn't it? <laughs> this is weird like this looks like a melted troll a little bit like i'm not sure what's going on
0: I just am not here for it and Um, you know, watching this movie, given the current climate, I'm just like, why are we make, like, make a statue of not a person, right? (laughs) People are very flawed. We maybe don't need any more statues of people right now. Like, that's just read the room. And I get it. The movie was made in like 2011, came out in 2012. Like, I get that but like also why are you making a statue of this man who you don't even know who he is and you spent eight years being like no this man's a criminal and he can to be it like no and also so in this movie folks if you have not seen it i just can't help you at this point we've ruined it um but like they have destroyed this whole city because of the absolute chaos the city was in and then like when Bruce is trying to, like, get the bomb, he, like, destroys the city. And so do the little tanks that are um, the Wayne Enterprise's, like, um, all train vehicles. Like, they destroy this city. Why are you wasting taxpayer dollars on a Batman statue?
1: Someone's going to pass that statue and be like, Batman destroyed my grandfather's, like... <laughs> my grandfather's gas station that had been in Gotham since like 1931. And, you know, he made a wrong, tu- a wrong turn in his Batman airplane and just completely leveled the building. Yep. But now I got to walk by the statue. Yep. Like, come on, y'all. Like, what are we doing here?
0: It's just, I'm just like, come on. Why are we making like more bad choice? Tw- At least Bruce kind of um, bounces back out of his like nonsense when he you know, dies, quote unquote. And like yeah. the Wayne Manor becomes like the home for orphaned boys. So like, that's great. Um, so this is kind of not the end of the movie, but um, I did want to talk about, so Alfred points out when he's like telling Bruce, you know, like don't go back out there. Don't be Batman. Like, You don't need to be Batman. They don't need you to be Batman. And he's, like, the city needs Bruce's, like, resources and, like, time more than it needs him to, like, basically sacrifice his body. Um, Yeah. Which, like, yes.
1: (laughs) Right. Which is what we talked about last week, right?
0: Yeah.
1: It was, that was, like, jarring to see that in the movie. Yeah, I've, I, again, that's a a part that um, I hadn't really remembered. And then to see Alfred, like, basically tell him, like, use your rich white man dollars. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> help improve gotham instead of going out and like punching drug dealers at three in the morning yeah. just like, mm, no i don't want to do that i think i'll i'll get the suit again thanks for your advice though alfred
0: yeah and like bruce's response in that i'm just like alfred is like the purest most good person in these movies and bruce is just like alfred no you're wrong i'm not going to use my money to help people why would i do that instead i'm going to destroy this city who pays for this city the taxpayers what no bruce bad look my guy
1: like listen i got this perfectly great good tank it's not gonna (laughs) it's not gonna drive through a mall by itself (laughs) like come on alfred
0: now, yeah just like nope so yeah it's like
1: so you're not going to build a community center then with this extra 20 million you got you're just not going to do that you're going to yeah. use that to for more grappling hooks
0: yeah 100 percent with the offshore accounts and yeah he's gonna have this big house alone because alfred is like dude i can't with your nonsense like you are you're on some bullshit basically um so I do like the Alfred's like, I'm done. I'm done with you, Bruce.
1: That was so, yeah, that was to see that in the movie like that. That was so like, that really jumped out to me. That it was that explicit where he's just like, yeah. put your money into the city. Don't wear the costume. Like the city needs your money. Crazy. Well said, Alfred. We, we, we stand behind you in that assessment.
0: Yeah. We're team Alfred.
1: Of course. 100%. <laughs>
0: Do you have any final thoughts on the movie?
1: Um, It was just, it was a fun movie to watch again. And I feel like we've we've criticized this movie more than the other two. But like, this was one of the, this was maybe like the most fun that I had. Like the first one was, was like really cool to rewatch it after having not seen it again. And then the second one, it was just fun to have this conversation because it's like one of the most important cultural movies of the last like 15 years. Mm Mm-hmm. And this one was just like this one was just like a lot of fun. Like it yeah. was fun to watch the movie, it was fun to like talk about it and like I mean, we it, we're clowning it, but it's all in it's all in jest cuz we yeah. we really did like the movie. Oh yeah. So, definitely the most over the top one. Um what are we going to Do we know what we're doing next week?
0: I think next week we are talking about Batman the animated series.
1: Correct. That is correct. We are talking about Batman the animated series. Um, I'm going to go through a couple of my favorite episodes that we can talk about. Um, I know right off the bat, my favorite episode of the entire series. So I'm in, I'm really excited to talk about that next week. And then I know that you're going to try to, to get a couple, I might send you some clips of some stuff and then, um, I don't know if there's a way to stream it other than having the DC like app or whatever, but we'll figure some stuff out.
0: Oh yeah. We will, we'll find a way because I was talking to my roommate about it and I'm ready I'm ready to watch all the Batman things um yeah and like I read the killing joke so like I'm I did you here I did
1: okay good oh I can't wait to talk about that then I need to reread that
0: it was it was a very intense
1: yes yes 30 minutes of life <laughs> <laughs> yes it is perfect yes we're we're <laughs> excited for that for next week yeah
0: but thank you all for listening we'll be talking more Batman
1: thanks everyone see you next time